Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing a number of equities as well as wider market themes. And joining us to do that, we have Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Good morning, John. Good to be back. So, Alan, I hope you're enjoying uh, the sun down there on the south coast. It's, um, it's a scorcher today, and I think we're going to be heading, uh, well, pushing 28 degrees, 27, 28 degrees. So, yeah, um, summer's finally arrived. Yeah, certainly here, certainly here, here in, in London, similar similar temperatures set for a, for a hot one today. Um, so let's move into it now, Alan. When, when we're looking at markets today, this is a, this is a theme and something that I've touched on uh, in, in the podcast and we've discussed, um, you know, this notion of that the FTSE 100 lagging uh, some of its European counterparts. Um, just saw some stats this morning on, on Bloomberg uh, from a fund manager that the FTSE 100 is actually lagging uh, European equities uh, by 25%. Uh, there, there was a view there from him that uh, he saw some some value in that. Um, however, this is something that we've seen in markets uh, for some years now. And, and with a strengthening pound, um, there may be concerns there about how some of these exporters are going to see um, you know, much more in terms of, of upside in, in share prices. Um, so obviously then taking a look at the FTSE 100 and see, look, where, where, is, where are investors going to be uh, making money here? And, and, and I think it sort of brings into this, uh, this concept of, yes, we've had a, a sharp rally. And um, I think the conversation that we were having uh, at the end of last year uh, beginning of this year was, was this notion of um, value versus growth stocks. Um, you know, some of those value stocks at the time um, being, you know, miners, um, some of the commodity stocks, banks, uh, for example, uh, significantly undervalued, hadn't yet um, taken part in, in, in the rally. But we have seen a cyclical rally since then. Um, now seeing shares, you know, relatively high in, in some of these cyclical ones. So I think there's probably an argument there. There's not a huge amount of, of impetus for people to be jumping into some of these um, companies. Yes, they they'll probably grind higher from here as the economy opens. But you know, a lot of those gains from a capital appreciation point have probably already been seen in in some of these names. So we we then start to look to the income side of things, and this isn't something that we've touched on the podcast recently. We've been talking mainly about recovery and obviously share prices rising, but there are some very good. Um, share prices out there which um, are giving um, significant yields now, um, even though that they've uh, they've moved up. I mean, some of the names in the FTSE 100, looking at um, some of the, the life insurance companies, um, some of the tobacco stocks, even some of the um, commodity shares now have uh, you know a relelatively high um, dividend yield. But in, I mean, in your view, Alan, I mean, do you think this is now? A time that investors should be viewing FTSE 100 shares in terms of returns going forward as an index, they should be probably be concentrating more on the income side than the capital appreciation side. Well, I think when there's uncertainty in market direction, then income stocks are always a favourite choice. And of course, in the FTSE 100, we've got some great examples. Of course, the tobacco companies, Imperial Brands, and 
bats are top of the list, as are some of the house builders, persimmons up there. Um, and of course, also you've got the financials you mentioned, legal and general, Aviva. I, I hold legal and general, I have done for years, and it's a, it's a steady, steady dividend uh, 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 paying stock and continued throughout the crisis when in fact some companies suspended their dividends so um so so yes in uncertainty it's a it's a place for investors to, to turn but also in regards to your comments about lagging the the uh, european indices of course in terms of their um economic outlook and framework they've got a fairly that they've got known unknowns um of course the uk is now going it alone as an entity uh post brexit so uh, whilst great things are expected, I mean, we see today uh, um, the UK has got the green light to start talks on joining a Pacific trade deal. So it's all looking very good. But um, I guess there is some uncertainty about that. Um, so investors maybe won't really start to commit to the markets until we see uh, until we see some solid results delivered and uh, uh, some meaningful numbers um uh being added to the uk economy and manifesting themselves in gdp numbers and so on so probably you can put that discount down to the fact that we've we've not made progress yet post covid as as a nation on its own unencumbered by europe but um uh does that offer value yes i think it does because i think uh, the uk is in a great position and uh, certainly um certainly i think any any uh, fallback in the market should be viewed as, as an opportunity to pick up some of these stocks and, of course, the income stocks um, at the same time. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, you, you mentioned there, Alan, obviously the um, you know potential trade deal uh, with the Pacific that, that we're looking at here. I mean, in, in terms of companies operating here in, in London, I mean, do you think there's a potential element of value that can be unlocked by any trade deals um, going forward, or do you think these are these are uh, you know talks that are going on, maybe already priced into market, may, maybe not be as significant as, as some of the headlines may be, or, or do you really think really think there's a there's a massive opportunity here for some of the the companies listed here in uh, in London to take advantage of it? I think there's a huge opportunity, and I think the as I say, I, I think this discount is probably partly down to the fact that. Um, the UK go it alone in the world um, uh, hasn't the potential of it hasn't been fully priced into the system yet. But of course, uh, when we were part of Europe, any trade deals done like this, we'd have to be part of the EU and the bureaucracy and uh, and the the pace of the pace of delivering the deal as much as anything else. Um, it was a it was it was a leviathan. It was a, a super tanker, and it took. It took an awful long time to get anything done. I think this is what what the UK is now on the world stage. It's uh, it's relatively nimble. It's able to do deals of its own volition, unencumbered by the EU um, the, the EU lumbering giant. So, um, uh, but of course, in terms of outlook, how successful that will be um isn't uh isn't actually clear as of yet i'm sure it will be a huge success so probably the discount that we're seeing in the markets uh, does reflect that yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that premium uh, develops uh, the risk premium there in uh, in uk stocks going forward so 
Alan, let's now move on to the first equity that we're going to discuss today. Now, this is one that was just announced uh, in the last day or so that's going to be joining the FTSE 100 once more. Royal Mail, it's been on a significant move to the upside. We've seen shares more than double, maybe even triple since the, the lows that we've uh, that we've seen. Um, what's been driving those uh, moves in Royal Mail, Alan, and, and what can investors look forward to from them? Well, it's been a very strong performance, hasn't it? Um, full year performance, well above expectations. Um, but the, the driver really has been uh, Royal Mail parcels, which um, is, well, I think for investors, it's a pleasant surprise given, of course, the plethora of, of other delivery services that we see operating in our streets nowadays, the DPDs, the My Hermes, all the rest of it, people taking advantage of cheaper cheaper delivery services. But um, uh, given the, the growth in online, uh, you know, um, the fact that uh, we've all been shopping at home um, during the during the pandemic, uh, of course, um, is reflected in, in in the growth that we're seeing in Royal, in, in Royal Mail uh, parcel deliveries, um, up 38.7% uh, on the year. Um, and of course, the group operating profits grew 116% on the year. So a really, really strong performance. Um, uh, Tempe won a final dividend proposed for the year. Um, and of course, the uh, Keith Williams, the, the uh, non-exec chairman, said it was uh, an unprecedented year given COVID. Um, but uh, the the outlook for the coming year does contain some uncertainties that could influence volumes. And of course, that one one thing there is that we are now getting back to some semblance of normality. Um, how that will manifest itself uh, as we go forward for Royal Mail is as yet unclear. But certainly the competition from the likes of My Hermes, uh, DPD and the other delivery services hasn't impacted on Royal Mail as, as much as some might have expected. And certainly that was picked up by um, the uh, investment bank Citigroup um, on uh, uh, after the results were announced yesterday. Um, shares for Royal Mail, of course, currently trading uh, currently trading at uh, £5.90. That's, um, that's just off year highs of £6.11p. Um, and of course, year lows, uh, well, literally, uh, I think um, um, in the, at the depth of the pandemic last year, we were at that year low of one pound, one pound fifty. So it's had a phenomenal year. So any anyone picking up the stock at that point should be uh, will be sitting on a very decent profit. But um, City uh, Group um, have raised their share price target to ten pounds for um, for Royal Mail. Um, very bullish um, on the outlook, um, and uh, it, it it says that uh, Royal Mail has delivered the hope for acceleration in parcel volumes. Um, and uh, although in the in the results there was a fall in letter volumes, um, uh, City, City Group expect to hear or see, see, um, see a recovery in letter volumes going forward, which will drive the share price higher still, they believe, um, and uh, drive their EBITDA higher to, to bring, uh, bring, bring the stock in line with their £10 share price. Um, and of course, whether that will happen is down to your outlook on the group and whether you believe um, Royal Mail will continue to grow at this pace, uh, given the amount of competition it has out there. Nonetheless, still a great result. So, Alan, before we move on, just I mean, look, look at the share price here. Um, hell of a rally through the pandemic. I mean, w- would you put Royal Mail into a box like... Uh, 
Just Eat, um, possibly uh, Ocado, as one of these companies that have benefited directly from the pandemic and may not see as strong levels of growth going forward as, as we move back to a normal situation? I think that's the that's the big question. And uh, I mean, f- f- from my standpoint, I think there's probably further growth to come. But of course, the, the, the share price is trading very much on forward earnings multiples as well. And there is a question mark over whether it can sustain the earnings. And the non-exec chairman himself said in his in his comments that, um, you know, the outlook, outlook was more uncertain, but they were expecting to see a recovery in letter volumes, which had dropped off. So I think that's going to be the key driver for trading volumes going forward. Um, and of course, you know, the post office is still the default place for everyone to post their letter still so um but it, it's it's your view on whether whether you think that's going to be enough to sustain the growth over the next few years i i personally think 10 pounds is a pretty aggressive target i really hope they get there because you know investors buying last year have had a fantastic return already and of course you've got a, a 1.7 dividend yield 1.7 percent dividend yield from the stock going forward anyway um but there are question marks i think over whether royal may count Royal Mail can continue to deliver revenue and EBITDA growth at the current rates of knots that they're doing so. Yes, indeed. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and whether it can hold its place in the FTSE 100 going forward. So I believe Royal Mail is set to join the FTSE 100. It's been confirmed, but will start to be included from the 21st of June, I think. Yeah. I think. That's um, great news. That, 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 that's great news because, because it, it is a great British company. But, uh, yeah, you know, one hopes – and they've got a very innovative management team, so one hopes they can uh, they can come up with some, some new ideas and initiatives to uh, perhaps pick up any shortfall in letter volumes uh, going forward. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's right that Royal Mail should be in the FTSE 100. Indeed, indeed. So moving on now, we have two companies that we've discussed on the uh, on the podcast previously, but both warrant updates uh, looking at what's been happening recently. So the first one, Alan Destiny Farmer. I think this is one that we've, we've probably touched on and updated on the podcast a couple of times, probably going back to, to last year and looking at uh, the chart here, pre- pretty healthy uh, moves in the, the share price. I mean, looking... Um, back to um, you know the lows, um, probably around sort of thirty p uh, or, or so um, August last year. I mean, we did see uh, you know a spike up actually above two pounds uh, around April time before dropping up. But we're now trading at one sixty, Alan. So big moves there, fairly volatile. What's been driving these moves? Okay, so Destiny Farm, of course, uh, are based uh, at the Sussex Innovation Centre where. We're based too, so I, um, I, I know the founder um, to, to speak to, and uh, yeah, they've had a they've had a, a pretty exceptional year. Um, the the the, comp- the 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 original premise for Destiny Pharma was XS seventy three, which is fighting. Um, it's using antimicrobial technology to fight um, superbugs in hospitals and uh, uh, infections that occur in a post-operative environment. Um, and uh, they progressed XF73 throughout the last few years um, and undertook an all-important uh, Phase 2B clinical trial um, at the start of the year. 
Um, and the results of that were announced um, in uh, at, at the end of March, uh, and as expected, were absolutely um, an absolute slam dunk. Uh, succeeded on every front. Um, it, basically, they've developed XF73 as a nasal gel, which uh, uh, patients have applied to their to the to their, their nasal area uh, and nose uh, um, uh, prior to going for an, in for an operation, and of course that. Um, that basically it, it prevents it prevents post-op infections and in particular any susceptibility to the big hospital superbugs such as uh, MRSA. Um, and the the trial proved uh, 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 highly successful. Um, so the, the we're now moving to the the final trial phase, after which we will look at commercialization into what is a massive market. Um, that was the original premise for the company. I should say, uh, just to go on to the stock, the company uh, currently trades with a market cap of just under 90 million, trading at uh, about £1.50, having hit a year high of £2.50, um, up from a year low uh, last year of just under 30p. So it's had a also had a phenomenal run this year. I do hold stock still in Destiny, and it's um, it, it certainly has been a great stock for investors to be in. Um, at uh, the start of the year, um, uh, sorry, the end of last year, the company also raised um, a further 11.5 million at 65p um, to acquire the global rights to NTCD3 M3, which is a phase three clinical asset being developed for the prevention of C. difficile, which is another. Uh, it's another uh, bug that's prevalent in hospitals um, and and uh, medical environments. Um, and again, um, the, the the asset had been developed to a point. So, um, given the fit with XS73, Destiny took the decision to, um, after the successful first phase two trial, to bring uh, NTCD M3 into its portfolio of, of of assets. So, it's really broadened the scope and the uh, opportunities for. Destiny Pharma, and um, uh, the company uh, an updated today, that's June 2nd, to say that it was being prepped for the final phase three studies, um, and the uh, the the uh, the uh, uh, asset had been fast-track designated by the FDA um, and was referred to by the CEO as a very valuable late-stage asset. So that's uh, obviously given the, the, the share price a bit of a, a push today as well. Um, in addition to um, in addition to uh, to these assets, last September the company also announced a joint venture with a company called Sporgen, um, and uh, this was to develop a uh, using the uh, nasal gel techniques they developed with XS73 and others to develop a a, a COVID nineteen immunity. Uh, uh, immunity uh, uh, application using the innate human immune system uh, and, of course, the nasal application spray. Um, for that, uh, once the joint venture was formed, they received an 800,000 Innovate UK grant and um, the clinical trials for the uh, Sporgen joint venture will commence uh, uh, later on this year. So we expect more news on that. So there's plenty of news to continue driving the stock. Um, and I think there's 
plenty of opportunities still for growth, given where we've already seen the year highs for the stock um, uh, to date. So very exciting year and prospect for the group. And obviously, you know, being Brighton based at the based at the Innovation Centre, it's uh, it's great for great for um, it, it's great for great for the city, and obviously great to um, have uh, to be working sort of in the same building as as uh, as a company as successful as uh, as this one. So, Alan, when looking at, at Destiny, which for you is, is the standout in their pipeline, which has the potential to be a real game changer for the, the business? Or is it a case that there's um, you know, equal weight put across uh, the different elements of, of their pipeline? Well, I think the core has already been always been XS73. And of course, that's, that's really, that's been the share price drive. So if you look at the, the share price, performance since uh, i mean there we were in december it's um trading at 68p just above the uh the, the the fundraising price and really the explosion in value has happened this year um and we saw that intraday high uh, back in march um so it's powered higher on the back of the phase 2b trial but also the additional funding the acquisition of NTC DM3, it's a very good fit because they're both in the same area. So uh, developing, having this portfolio of, uh, of um, assets uh, really enhances the value of the group overall uh, because, because of course, there, there are probably areas where the, uh, uh, where the, um, the science can overlap and uh, uh, one can drive the other. But additionally, I think uh, the additional strength of the boat is the Sporgen joint venture, which will uh, bring value into the group at a later stage. So if you like, the the near-term pipeline is NTCDM3 and XF73. Um, The the late one uh, or the the, the longer-term pipeline consists of Sporgen and possibly some other acquisitions will arrive for the group that uh, are also a good fit. Indeed, looking forward to see how things develop there at uh, at Destiny Pharma. So, Alan, moving on to the last equity that we're going to discuss today, one that we have touched on um, previously on on the podcast. It has had uh, a rocky ride, one may say, so far this year, uh, but there has been steady news flow there. It's, it's ECR Minerals. What's uh, the latest from them? Okay, so ECR Minerals, um, it's a mining and exploration company uh, with uh, with a portfolio of assets focused in the Victoria region in uh, southern Australia, which, of course, is prime gold territory for anyone that knows the region and is following uh, this company and others. Um, ECR has a series of licenses uh, in the Creswick area, which is north of the town of Ballarat, and there's a famous gold mine at Ballarat, which is still producing, and also at Bailiston, uh, which is in the northeast of the Victoria area. Um, to the west, some 30 kilometres west of there, is the world-famous Fosterville mine owned by Kirkland, Kirkland Lake Gold, which, is, which last year produced 640,000 ounces of gold and is the lowest cost producer um, of gold uh, in the country, if not the world. It's uh, an extremely efficient uh, uh, um, uh, producer. Um, It's also well known that uh, um, the Fosterville team are seeking to expand 
there um, to to expand into the areas around uh, Fosterville and uh, certainly the plan behind the Bayliston development. There are a number of prospects that uh, ECR are drilling in Bayliston um, that uh, uh, the, 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 there is uh, a geological anomaly um, in the region that is gradually becoming apparent through the work that they're doing. And uh, the, the this the, uh, throughout the the past few weeks the company has been reporting uh, almost daily on social media the updates from this drilling campaign so if you follow if you go to at ecr minerals or one word on twitter you can follow those those updates but um so the, so the company uh, also last year raised uh, raised uh, sorry uh, early this year raised uh, a two uh, a further two million pounds um uh, and it wasn't the most popular raise. It was uh, done at 2.2p, and the share price was at that point, I think, uh, about 2.5p. Um, uh, the share price has fallen back since then, but it's starting to push up, and it popped back over 2p yesterday. And we're just on that, uh, j- just on that now, looking at at the chart, which gives the company a market capitalization of about 19.5 million. Um, and given the the fact that the company now has five and a half million in the bank, it has all these assets, um, and uh, it also owns its own drilling rig as well, which is highly significant. Uh, the operations are based at Bendigo, which is almost halfway between Creswick and Ballarat, in the centre of Victoria. So it's very, very much, to, it's very, it's completely kitted out for all the work it needs to do, and can under carry on undertaking its own exploration work and has the funds to do so for as well for, certainly for the, the foreseeable future um, but uh, significantly the company announced uh, last week that it had also applied for uh, three additional strategic licenses in Queensland which of course is further north uh, in Australia um, three exploration permits in North Queensland which are some 200 kilometers west um, of the the, uh, Townsville and uh, just north of Pentlands. Um, uh, What is uh, of particular interest uh, with this prospect is that uh, the area is renowned for gold production. Um, Nearby you've got the Charters Tower, um, uh, Charters Towers uh, mine, which uh, uh, historically has produced six and a half million ounces. Ravenswood. In fact, with all of the projects, um, uh, with all the projects being developed in that region, um, some twenty-four point four million ounces uh, of total production and development, um, what they refer to as, as endowment, uh, is, uh, is is featured in the region. So that makes it a major producer. So the area is relatively relatively underexplored and under underdeveloped, probably um, uh, on account of the. Uh, fairly aggressive wildlife and uh, saltwater crocs in the area. But um, uh, nonetheless, the team are going to be um, exploring this and uh, and uh, furthering this project as we go forward. But in the near term, we're looking for news, of course, on uh, development at Creswick, um, uh, the drilling at Creswick and, uh, and the drilling at the Bayliston licence. And um, uh, we, we're expecting news on that very soon. The CEO, Craig Brown, is currently down in Australia um, and is he's at uh, 
a minerals conference this week, which is being attended by the Australian Prime Minister. So um, no doubt we'll get some interesting picks from that as the week goes forward. But um, uh, for a mining company with with five and a half million quid in the bank, assets of this quality um, uh, and a drilling team funded on the road and paid for, um, I think uh, I think the company is still way undervalued and. I fully expect it to return to the highs around three and a half to four p that we were seeing um, early this year. So, Alan, when we're looking at the share price, it, it has taken uh, a bit of a dip uh, over the past few months. I mean, what, what do you think is driving this disappointment with uh, in, with investors when they're looking at ECR? Because you know you've outlined a pretty strong portfolio of, of assets and projects there, um, but investors don't seem to be Oh, they're infused with with what's happening there. I mean, is it a case that maybe things are taking too long at, at ECR for, for investors liking, or, or maybe some of the quality of, of the um, portfolio isn't up to what they were previously expecting? No, I don't think there's any issue with the quality of the portfolio. I mean, the um, uh, certainly Drilling and Kresic and, and Bayliston, they've revealed visible gold in the, gold in the samples uh, already, and the geological anomalies uh, and certainly the geo team working uh, for ECR are, 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 are very well um, regarded in their field. Um, so I, I, I have no no uh, um, issues at all with the quality of the assets and uh, the areas where they're drilling. Um, I think the, the, the impact on the share price came about through the placing at 2.2p and probably the fact that um, the company had... Uh, four million in the bank. There was no sign of a fundraising, but it was offered money by investors through its new broker. Um, took the decision to take the money, um, and it now means that they've got uh, funds to do to drill everything on their territories for the foreseeable future without needing to raise any more money. So um, I would imagine during that time, uh, or we very much hope during that time, that uh, they will find something of value, and I'm sure they will. Um, but um, uh, the the share price fall is, in my opinion, down to the fact that the raise was done suddenly, and also probably that retail investors weren't given a chance to participate. And certainly, when I spoke to Craig uh, Brown a few months ago in an interview, he he said as much. You know, he said in hindsight he would certainly involve retail investors uh, in a future placing. Not that there's going to be one because the company has now got more money. Uh, um, it, it's it's got uh, five and a half million cash. In the bank, and it's got uh, it's fully funded for all its activities for the foreseeable future. Yes, I mean retail involvement in placings and IPOs is a very hot topic uh, at the moment. Of course, there's been a review and there's changes of there's services out there, um, but but still uh, an example here of uh, an opportunity where retail investors would like to be involved, and uh, unfortunately. We're not, so it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how that develops and how participation from retail investors in in issues picks up um, going forward, and certainly something that we'll be covering as it develops on uh, on the UK Investor Magazine. So, Alan, thank you very much. That the stocks there um, discussed today. First of all, Royal Mail trades under the ticker of RMG. It was then Destiny Pharma trades under the ticker of DEST, and just then was ECR Minerals trading under the ticker of ECR. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you very much.
We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.